97X The Future of Rock and Roll with some Fishbone and Party at Ground Zero. LA Zone X, our house band with Hungry Wolf. And we got things started off with uh, Dayton's own Brainiac. Uh, tune in tomorrow morning with The Breakfast Club with Rick and Couchet when we'll have Trivia Hoyle to win a $5 gift certificate to the Oxford Kroger Save-On. Day. Yeah. Day. Well, wait. Can I win the gift certificate? No. It's, it's been less than two weeks since I won. Well, maybe. I okay. guess so. Not eligible. You're doing another flashback. We're down in my basement, the party dungeon. We're doing our podcast, 97X Rumblings from the Big Bush. Available on 97XBAM.com or um, you can email us. No, there's there's no Oxford Kroger save-on? I, I think they I think they lost the save-on part of it. What did that mean? What yeah. did save-on mean? I think it was a drug, the drug part of it. Oh, is that what it was? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. And $5. Will they get you far at a Kroger now, a $5 gift back card? In, back in 88, 90, maybe 95 or so. Yeah. Sure, it would have. Yeah. You could get some peanut butter and some bread, right. and then you've got lunch and dinner for yeah. the next week. You're set to go. Yeah. But at least we do have, I have some good news for you. Yeah. The Couchet has joined us. Kevin Couchet. I was just thinking about all that $5 that I could get at the Kroger Save-On. That was uh, two six-packs of Milwaukee Best. <laughs> wow. You didn't That's even... true. That's absolutely true. It was, it was $2.49 at the Kroger on Short Vine. And two six-packs, so I would even have, like, two cents to spare. I don't remember what the alcohol tax was, but uh, I, I know that I could get uh, go in with a five and an extra dollar bill and come back with two six-packs of Milwaukee's Best. And that there is a good evening. <laughs> and that there would have made me, like, the luckiest contestant on The Price is Right for a very small window in the late 80s when they had alcohol on there once in a while. <laughs> Some Bartles and James, I believe, is what it was. Wine coolers. Um, well, run down your history with 97X. Uh, my history with 97X, if I go back to the beginning, I was in the sixth grade, and I turned on a clock radio one time, and I heard the lyric that went, imagine your father is naked and you fall through the ceiling into a room of soft, moist, eyeballs and then there was like a lot of distortion after that um being like a sixth grader i think I, I just went that was weird and i'm really into that and it was a song called uh boiled dove by uh butthole surfers and uh so then i started listening to 97x exclusively i said i wanted to work there eventually when i grew up and uh, i think from that point on it pretty much everything i did uh, scholastically was trying to get me into radio where I could play music like uh, Boiled Dove by the Butthole Surfers. And um, so I went to college. You guys hired me right before my senior year um, to, uh, I think, to be an intern. And then I took my senior year at Miami and then uh, worked with you guys on the weekends. And then that eventually led to the Breakfast Club and co-music director. And then I think... 97X has only fired three people, somebody told me once, and I think I was one of the uh, the three people that got fired from 97X. So I've got a, a lot of pride leading up to it and a little bit of pride uh, since then. 
Well, well, I can tell you why you were fired right now. Butthole surfers? It's BH surfers, mister. <laughs> Get it right. We have advertisers that pay your salary, young man. So... <laughs> Oh, hey, do you guys know that that last year, did you see my Facebook posting? I finally got my last check from 97X. Yes, I did see that. Explain yeah. that. <laughs> I can't explain it. I have no idea. Like, because uh, I used to get these notices that, that I had two paychecks sitting at, at the Butler County Courthouse. And I would try to go in and there was always one more thing that i needed that i never had like i had my social security card and then i had my license and then they said no you have to have um you know like an electric bill or a cable bill or something like that and i never had that and then one day i, I took my social security card my license i was wearing a 97x t-shirt and i had a picture with rick and mark abuzahab in front of my house where in oxford which was 6, 619 college uh, avenue and I was like, here I am in front of the house. I'm wearing this shirt. That's the co-host. And they still would, would never give me the, uh, the two checks that were in the Butler County Courthouse. And then last year, I just got this thing in the mail. Uh, it was uh, from a lawyer's office. And he said, hey, we've got your money. If you want to claim it, uh, you know, go ahead and call this number. And then, um, you know, I went ahead and called the number. I think they kept like 25% of it, and then I got the rest. But uh, finally, finally, it came through. It's 430-some dollars, and that was two paychecks. So that <laughs> was, you're the last person actually paid by 97X WXY. Oh, that's, that's interesting. That's a, uh, that's a good little piece of trivia. I mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And I, I didn't I realize. I walk around with pride. <laughs> I didn't realize you were a part of what we call the unholy trinity, the three people fired. So, wow. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think me and Rick and then uh, Dan Cromer, right? Like, that's, that's how I understood it. There may have been some people before me, but um, that, that, was, uh, that was my understanding as Dan Cromer explained it to me a couple years ago. I think some of the old timers... I think somebody we talked to said they got fired multiple times. Like they get fired and then brought back or whatever. Doug was maybe oh, more forgiving right. back then. That that's cool. And the the other thing that went with that too is that I've lost jobs in radio when the stations have sold throughout the years, but uh that was really the only one I ever got fired from. So, um you well, know, all these guys, uh, especially the old timers in radio, have these great grand stories about their firing and their great exits. And I'm like, man, I only have one. I was like 22. It happens. And, and for good reason. I wasn't like, uh, I'm not one of those people that was, they got fired and I was like, uh, no, this is BS. I was like, no, nah, I get it. I get why you did that. <laughs> <laughs> now run through this. Cause you got, you got an unbelievable history. So you came on as an intern when I was there. We kind of went through, you know, briefly, you're part of the Breakfast Club with Rick Tile, co-music director, and then you've done mm -hmm. like 800 jobs since then. Well, right after 97X, I went to TUE and XEG for a little bit. Um, I did like, I think I did overnights. I think it was a full-timer. I think I was considered full-time, even though I was on the two stations part-time. Um, and then I just, you know what got me out to California? It was that, uh, that song, and I've actually told him about it, um, from the Rugburns, me and Eddie Vedder, where uh, that, that line where he's like, the electric Kool-Aid acid test was a novel by Tom Wolfe. And uh, I read that based on that song, 
and uh, the book took place um, in, in Lahan. Well, it took place across the country, obviously. But uh, one of the places it took place was La Honda, California. And I thought, I'm going to go out to La Honda since I'm not working. I got no uh, kids, no family or anything like that. And so initially I was just going to come out to California for uh, a year and kind of hang out and, and surf and whatever, try to learn how to surf. And uh, I got a job as a uh, music journalist and with a with a place called the interview factory and i would do interviews for other people's radio stations and some print work like uh, under the radar magazine and stuff like that and then while i was working as a music journalist some really cool things started happening like i, I started working at death row records writing uh band reviews for them um i did like a lot of liner notes for the concrete blonde reissues i'd worked with new model army on some of their promotional stuff and uh there's another band called osric tentacles and then um, kind of out of nowhere, K-Earth 101, which was a, a big oldie station here in, in Hollywood Hamilton, were interested in hiring me to produce their morning show. And uh, Hollywood Hamilton, if you're not familiar with who he is, the, the, um, he's getting inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame uh, next month. And the movie Pump Up the Volume is actually based on his life. Uh, when he was a teenager and started a pirate radio station in, in uh, Las Vegas, even though it takes place in Arizona. So I started working at Cares 101 as a producer, then was on the show, then Hollywood got fired, then I was on with Gary Bryan. Uh, while I was there, I ended up working, uh, produced uh, people like Charlie Tuna, whose voice is all over the Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood movie when you, they're in the uh, radio or when they're in the cars and, and listening to the radio. Um, Shotgun Tom Kelly's in that movie, too. I worked with him. Uh, I produced Ryan Seacrest, which I think a lot of people who listen to 97X would be probably disappointed in. Actually disturbed. uh, Disturbed. (laughs) Oh, and then, um, you know, I uh, went back to Indiana and I was still producing the K-Earth morning show from there. I actually did sports uh, for the uh, Richmond, same Richmond station that Steve Baker does some of the Miami games on. and so I was back there just doing kind of all those loose things. And then in 2014, uh, Care called me and they were sort of like, we want you back on the morning show. Um, came back to the morning show. We were number one in Los Angeles for, you know, a good at overall. And then, you know, we piddled around in the top three, I think, from that point on. And, um, and now I do... I got off the morning show for, for various reasons, and then I became the publicist for the Improv and Levity Life Comedy Club chain. Um, they had some issues with paying me on time, so now I just, uh, I'm just i a publicist, and I represent a handful of comedians, a TV show, a plus-size lingerie line, and, uh, and the Brainiac uh, Transmissions After Zero movie. So, um, yeah, so I just do mostly publicity and PR work now. Two things uh, I want to touch yep. on there. One is, is Rick Tile a spokesman for you for the plus size lingerie? Just checking. Uh, he's not. Um, it is a, it, he would definitely be a consultant if he was in the right part of America right now, because they really focus a lot of things on Atlanta, because that's a big market for them, Dallas and Los Angeles. Rick Tile's a little far north, but um, when they expand, I would definitely bring him into it because the man has an eye for plus-size lingerie like no other. No doubt. 
And the, and the second yeah. thing I, I'd like to call out is your work with the Brainiac film. I've seen that. Uh, for some people who haven't, uh, know who Brainiac is, it was a band from Dayton that was on the verge of exploding, had just gotten done with a great national tour with Beck. Uh, we were fortunate enough to be playing uh, Brainiac. Uh, Brainiac had been to the studio. Um, and then a, a tragic death of the lead singer, Tim Taylor. And then... And then uh, Sitting on this for a long time, a great movie came out. I happened to see the debut in Dayton, and it, and it's a fantastic movie. It is it is totally an amazing movie. I mean, I, I think about you know how fortunate I was to you know be twenty years old, twenty one years old, and and be in that scene when all that stuff was going on, you know, and, and seeing all these bands in Dayton and. Um, and, and Cincinnati, obviously, as well. And uh, Brainiac is a band that I loved when I was in college and I loved more when I was in at 97X because, you know, Dorsey was in the house um, basically living there and he would take me to some parties and stuff. So then that just grew my fandom. But as time goes on, you know, like my favorite artist ever uh, that I usually say is Robin Hitchcock, but I still have moods where it's like I don't listen to Robin Hitchcock for a year and I bust it back out. That's never happened with Brainiac. Like I've always listened to Brainiac. It's um, you, you know, it's it's been in my CD player and and my iPhone and stuff, just like the Beatles were for my parents. And and I, I feel like when I walk this world, the rhythm that I'm walking to is a lot of those rhythms that Brainiac uh, invented and came up with. And so when I found out that the the movie was coming out, I, I really I was you know I was doing work with the Improv at the time. And I wanted to help pay for it. You know, I wanted to be a producer, whatever I could. And then I was having some money issues with them. And um, and then when I saw it finally came out, uh, I was like, hey, you know, who's doing the PR? Mostly is networking. And they said, no, we're just nobody. We're just kind of doing it uh, ourselves. And I was like, well, you know, I'll make some phone calls for you if you want. And the phone calls sort of evolved into me actually putting a you know a campaign together and, and trying to get the word out as much as i can mark abuzahab um who works at view house now was uh you know a big supporter of the film too um and former 97 xer and then you know the the uh, jen dalton at channel 12 um was really instrumental in getting the word out in cincinnati and very excited about it but uh i, I agree with you I, I think it's one of the best rock documentaries i've ever seen um, especially being there. And I think if you didn't know anything about the Dayton scene, which a lot of people that I invited from the media to the LA premiere didn't know anything about Brainiac or that, but they all came a away with it going like, I'm definitely a fan now. And I, and have all checked out their stuff and, and have said, you're right. This is like, I've never heard a band like this before. And then when they played live, dude, it was great. Like they sounded as amazing as they've ever have. And, and, um, you know, Fred Armisen came and sang a song with them. And then Eric Mahoney, um, who produced and directed the movie, you know, came out and did I Am a Crack Machine. And it was, it was a really phenomenal night. And they just had another screening on Friday that I went to. And David Yao from the Jesus Lizard came out. And there were David Poe. Do you remember David Poe yes. from Cincinnati? Mm -hmm. He was there. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but he was Ooh Ooh Wah. And he was in a band with Tim. But there's a lot of people from Dayton, and uh, that's been another great part of working on the film is sharing all these stories with people that had that shared interest. And you start finding people whose 
you know, who Rainiac's music meant just as much to them as it does to you. And that's, that's really been the, uh, uh, most of the exciting part and, and working with them on this and, and it'll be available for everybody, uh, beginning of 2020. So oh. everybody will be able to, to, to see it from that point on. It's, uh, the plan looks like now it's going to be on demand. And uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that yet or not, but uh, that's that's where we're going with it. We only have 12 people to listen, so you're, you're good. Yeah, you're set. And by the time I edit this, it, it may be 2021, so you're good. That concludes part one of our interview with listener turned intern turned weekender turned breakfast clubber Kevin Couchet. Tune in next time when Kevin mentions yet another job he once had. And here, Kevin talked Dave and Damien into becoming plus-size lingerie models.